Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports. So we're going to talk to him about some of his previews of college football. And Stephen, it's been a while, man. Appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon? Hey, John, I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. It's good to catch up and talk some football. You mentioned it. it's talking season, man. It's uh, Fall camp's going to be here soon. The season will be here. So uh, I can't complain too much about that. Absolutely. I mean, this is what uh, we live for, especially around this time of year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know that you've been working hard at Athlon putting together uh, different lists for all SEC teams and all American teams and all that, which we'll talk about. But I just want to get your thoughts on the Razorbacks heading into this year? Because obviously Razorback fans are feeling pretty good after last season's showing, going 9-4, and four, one of the best seasons they've had in 10 years. And now there's a lot of momentum carrying them into this upcoming season. But what do you just make of the Razorbacks, Sam Pittman, and everything going into this upcoming year? I think the first thing is if I was an Arkansas fan, I would be really excited about this season because Arkansas returns one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC in K.J. Jefferson, and you just look at the impact and where this program has, you know, where it was just three years ago to now. I mean, Arkansas won nine SEC games from 2015 to 2019, and they've won seven over the last two years. You mentioned last season. I mean, the sort of, you know, the games that they won, they were high, you know, high-level games against Texas, uh, Texas A&M, LSU. So I think you look at where this program was, and where it is now, and just to be in a position to be a top 25 team, be potentially the second or third best team in the SEC West is pretty remarkable. So I'm buying into this program, and I think that we have them ranked in our top 25, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about where Arkansas is going into this year. On the All-American teams, are they most represented as far as players by the SEC as a conference? And if so, uh, what other conference may be close? That's a great question. The SEC had the most selections at 29. The Big Ten had 26 selections. So the SEC was uh, just ahead of the Big Ten. I think what's interesting this year about the SEC is the defensive line is not as deep or as established as it normally is. You, know, you think back to last season, Georgia lost uh, Jordan Davis and Walker, and they lost some other guys, A&M, and, and other, other teams are sort of cycling through. So they had 29 selections, but I think in another year, the SEC would probably have in the 30s. But the Big Ten is right there uh, with the SEC. But still, the SEC by far the most talented in college football coming back this season. You know, you mentioned uh, some of the All-Americans. I saw that you had Bumper Pool as one of your second-team All-Americans uh, from Arkansas, and then Jalen Catalan listed as a fourth-team All-American there. And I get Bumper Pool because obviously he's a big returning guy and Everyone knows the type of production he had last year. A big question, though, is with Catalan because he's coming off of that season-ending injury last year. A lot of players are hit and miss, but uh, for him to be a, a preseason All-American after not playing all last year, some people may say that's a pretty risky move. I, I'm actually buying into him. You know, I think I've watched him over the last couple of years and just think he's ready to become one of the SEC's top safeties. And it, it is a combination of preseason, what do we know about them so far, and also projection. And I think you look at his impact last season in those six games, you know, two interceptions, a couple pass breakups. Uh, you know, his impact on this defense, especially in the secondary, is significant. So I- I'm buying into the fact that with being healthy and now another year to learn under Barry Odom and his defensive staff, I think he's ready 
to be one of the top safeties in college football. It is a really deep year for safeties and linebackers in the SEC and nationally, too. So I think the fact that we have two players picked from Arkansas there, I think, speaks to the talent and kind of what we're projecting out of this team this year. What do you have Arkansas ranked for preseason, and what kind of factors went into it? Yeah, I've got Arkansas at 22nd this year. I think the big question, um, and, and I should say 22nd being that I think that they'll finish 22nd. I think if you, the biggest question going into this year for the SEC is that the SEC West is just so deep. I mean, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Arkansas, all of those teams are right there in the 20 to 30 range nationally. So it's a deep year in the middle of the SEC West. And, and I think that impacts our national rankings. Just trying to sort out these teams was so difficult in the preseason. But I think you know, the things you like about Arkansas, won five out of the last uh, six games last season. And, and the only loss in there was to Alabama by seven. KJ Jefferson is one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Offensive line, I think, is in the top half of the SEC with four returning starters. And I think defensively, coming into the year, by you know by our metrics, they only have four returning starters. But, um, you know, I still think there are a lot of guys who have played uh, in the transfer portal additions and Barry Odom, who I think is you know, one of the better coordinators in the SEC. There's a lot of trust, I think, from, from our perspective, from where the coaching staff has brought this team over the last two years. So I go, I go back to strong culture, uh, buying into the team from what we've seen the last couple of years, and a difference maker at quarterback in K.J. Jefferson is one of the reasons why we have them uh, projected to finish 22nd. Okay, so your preseason rankings are based on where you think teams will finish. So how, how do you think Arkansas' season will go? Do you uh, what, what kind of prediction did you have for them as far as uh, where they will finish in the West and what kind of record? Yeah, I've got them third in the SEC West, and, and I think they're right there in that eight to nine win range. I, I think what's interesting is to go back to um, something we were talking about a minute ago. Is I think all these teams, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, they're all right there, eight to nine wins, third, fourth, fifth, sixth in the West. I mean, all these teams could be top 25. It's a really deep year. So I, I think Arkansas, we've got them in the magazine at eight and four. If you told me they finished nine and three, I would not be surprised. So I, I think their record looks pretty similar to last season, but we've done third in the SEC West and finishing 22nd nationally. Now, Steve, and I, I will got to bring this up because I know Razorback fans are probably uh, a little upset by it, but when you came up with your <laughs> all-SEC list, you had Bryce Young and your first team all-SEC. That makes sense. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But you had Hendon Hooker from Tennessee as your second team all-SEC quarterback and then K.J. at your third I know Hooker put up some great numbers, and people are expecting big things out of him, but what made you pick Hooker over K.J. Jefferson for this next year? Man, you know, it's really difficult. I think, you know, I'm working on the national quarterback rankings, and I think there's a there's a strong likelihood that they're going to be ranked back-to-back in the national rankings. Both Hendon Hooker and both K.J. Jefferson had great years last year uh, for, for Tennessee and Arkansas, respectively. I think if you're looking in, in, for an argument for, for Jefferson to be picked higher, I think it's the second year of him as the starter. And I think within that second, being the second year of the starter, his impact on this offense, I mean, leading the team in rushing, I think he got better over the course of the season. So I think you could make an argument that maybe he's more valuable to the team than Tennessee just because without Burke 
and the way that he may need to carry this offense this year, I think the argument for Hendon Hooker is kind of similar. It's the second year under Josh Heupel. We saw the numbers that he put up last season after taking over the starting quarterback job. So I think they're similar in second year uh, as the starter, essentially. There's some upside, and they're both going to put up, you know, put up huge numbers. So I, I have it Hooker at two, Jefferson at three. I hate to give you a bad answer, but I really don't think there's much separation in there. I think we just thought that second year of Hendon Hooker, maybe the schedule's a little bit more manageable in the East, and he puts up better numbers and ends up second team all SEC. What teams do you have in the SEC, some that are maybe making a jump and then others taking a step back? Yeah, I think Tennessee could take a step forward this year. You know, we have them second in the SEC East. I know we've heard this out of Tennessee before, that they're supposed to be better. Uh, but, you know, they got significantly better under Josh Heupel last season. The arrival of Hendon Hooker as a transfer, just, you know, Tennessee's offensive numbers are so stark in from 2020 to 2021. I think the East in general with Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida, that trio of teams is really close. You could probably make an argument for any of those to finish second behind Georgia. Also, we keep an eye on South Carolina. I, I think the problem for South Carolina will be a very difficult schedule, but I love the pickup of Spencer Rattler. I love the transfer additions at receiver. I think they're going to be a better team. I don't know that it shows up much in the win column uh, because of how difficult their schedule is. I think if you're looking on the flip side of things, teams that could be trending down, uh, to me it's Ole Miss and Auburn. Auburn's just so much chaos this offseason, not to mention uh, their quarterback situation. Is it any better than it was last year? Hard for Ole Miss to really replicate last year, although the schedule's pretty favorable. The transfer additions are so interesting because there's so many of them. How do they mesh with new coordinators? on both sides of the ball. So I would not be surprised if Ole Miss regresses from 10 wins to 8 wins but is still a top 25 team. I think Auburn just has much bigger questions about direction. Brian Harson in the quarterback room really worries me if I'm Auburn. I know that everybody has Texas A&M finishing second, or at least most people do, second in the West, competing for the SEC West title. But there's just something about them that I'm still not buying into. There's just something about them to where I don't know if it's a trust thing or whatnot. Not to say they'll be a terrible team, but I have a hard time believing that this is going to be the year where they can compete for the SEC West. I know you have A&M as, as your second-best team in the West, but uh, what do you make of them this year? And uh, are they reason? is there reasons to believe that they actually could compete for the SEC West and upend Alabama from that title? I would be really surprised if they beat Alabama again this year, especially with all that's transpired and the game is in Tuscaloosa. Um, and not to mention, I mean, that performance from A&M just came out of nowhere. I mean, Alabama, that, look back at the spread, and Alabama was, what, a two-touchdown favorite, you know, twenty whatever it was, 20 points. It was just so surprising to see that result. But I think A&M, if you want to buy into A&M, finishing second or potentially challenging Alabama, it goes back to recruiting. The number one recruiting class this year, but they've also been trending up the last few years under Jimbo Fisher. There's a lot of young, promising talent in the program. The depth chart has a lot of sophomores and juniors, which tells me that next year, 2023, would really be the best year for A&M. And I think it goes back to the quarterback position. They've got to figure out who the guy is, whether it's Max Johnson at LSU, the LSU transfer, is it Haynes King, is it Connor Wigman, the true freshman. So 
I feel better if I'm Texas A&M about my quarterback situation than I did last season, but they also lost a lot on that defensive front. So how fast can you get those four- and five-star guys ready to play will be a big question. I, I'm buying into A&M, but I could also see that maybe they only finish top 10, 8, 9, 10, as opposed to uh, closer to number five, especially if the quarterback position doesn't stabilize this year. Now, Alabama A&M could be a swing game if A&M is going to have success, but do you uh, see Arkansas and A&M possibly being a swing game where the winner of the game finishes higher ranked? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think to go back to last season, I mean, uh, Arkansas winning that game was huge and sort of set the tone for uh, this team, that game, and the A&M game and the game against Texas really set the tone early in the year for Arkansas and sort of, I think, gave validation to the job that Sam Pittman was doing. But I think Arkansas and A&M are two and three in the West. And the winner of that game, especially if we're if, if our predict, projections end up correct, where there's a lot of four and four, uh, three and five teams in the SEC West, the winner of that game, that could be a huge tiebreaker uh, for second or third. So early in the year, that game has a lot of interest for me just because of what's happened, what happened last year, the early preseason question marks about these teams, and then just the impact that it could have in the SEC West. Now, the coaches has been one thing where I think Auburn, everyone has pointed to them as kind of the situation with Brian Harson, where he may not be around after next year. He may not even be around the full season, just kind of <laughs> depending how things go because it is so chaotic down there. But besides him, who would you say is the coach in the SEC that has the most pressure on them? to have a great year this year? You know, in a, in a weird way, I don't think that there are many coaches on the hot seat in the SEC. I know it's dangerous to say because you're always one loss away or one bad season away uh, from the hot seat in, in the SEC, but there's been so much coaching turnover in the league the last couple of years, and also you just look at some of the coaches that have been hired. Um, Shane Beamer had a great first season, what Sam Pittman is doing. So I don't know if there's necessarily a coach on the hot seat. I think if we look at coaches who, um, you know, maybe the fan base is already starting to you know, put some pressure on. I mean, I think Billy Napier is going to be fine at Florida. There's been a little angst over the recruiting so far, and I think eventually that will work itself out. But if they lose some games early on, the recruiting slips, you know, maybe there's some doubt that starts to creep back into uh, the minds of Florida fans. And I think Mississippi State, I think if they regress this year and don't take that step forward, you know, if you can't, I don't think you can afford to fall too far behind. I'm not not saying that Mike Leach is on the hot seat or in the same thing uh, over in the for any of those coaches in the East. But you know, if Mississippi State goes five and seven or six and six, I think that'd be really disappointing, um, considering the growth that they've shown from year one to year two. Well, with Mike Leach, uh, the contract is something that factors into that because of the laws of the state of Mississippi and and how far they can um, project out and do contracts. So that's something that people are always paying attention to with Mike Leach and the success of that program. No question about it. Yeah. And certainly for him getting that extension earlier this off season was huge because it gave him that four year window. That's so important for recruiting. But if we go back to the example that you and I were just talking about, I mean, if, if they go five and seven or six and six and all of a sudden, you know, recruiting doesn't go well, the, the there's no more four-year extension. All of a sudden, you could start to see some doubts creep into the mind at Mississippi State. And it's a tough job, too. I think it's the toughest job 
in the SEC West. And what Mike Leach does offensively is what they need to do. They need to do something different to sort of make up for the talent gap they're going to have for the rest of the SEC West. So I don't think he's on any kind of hot seat, but I think we're kind of hitting that kind of not necessarily forking the road, but it's an interesting part of Mike Leach's tenure at Mississippi State. Stephen, I know a thing with uh, with Arkansas, and obviously the way that you know they've been recruiting, people are pretty high on them as well. But it also seems like with the two new teams, like Oklahoma and Texas, that are going to be joining in, people are wondering how is it going to impact Arkansas, or there's going to be other teams. How does it impact them? Whatever it may be. So, out of curiosity, whenever Texas and Oklahoma join, whenever that may be, how do you feel like it truly impacts the SEC and doesn't impact particular teams more so than others? Yeah, it's a great question. You, you know, I think it's certainly going to add two teams capable of winning at a high level into the league. Both Oklahoma and Texas have won national championships since the BCS era. They can recruit at a high level, too. I don't know that necessarily it's going to hurt Arkansas or hurt Texas A&M. I think it's only just going to make the recruiting battles even more fierce or, or interesting. So I think in the broader sense, I think what's happened in recruiting, especially over the last you know 10 years or so, the SEC teams are willing to invest. There's the talent at home in the SEC footprint. The SEC is winning, and it's also putting players into the NFL. So I think you sort of have a kind of a nice you know circle almost going of why talent just stays in the SEC. But I also think for Arkansas specifically, if the recruiting is hurt a little bit by Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league, one way you can make that up is the transfer portal. And Arkansas has used that so well over the last couple of years. And, and I think that combined with NIL, there's ways to make up talent gaps in the SEC. So if I'm Arkansas, I wouldn't be worried. Instead, I think it's, it's an opportunity to further go into Texas and recruit. And especially if Texas continues to underachieve, you know, those are battles that Arkansas can win with Oklahoma and Texas. What's your take on movement in college football and conference realignment altogether? I hate it. I, I hate it because I think we're, as we get further removed from the basic kind of you know, ties that geography binded conferences, you know, it, it gets so spread out that we lose part of what made college football great, which is games that are between geographic rivals, fan bases, you know, being able to, to go watch your uh, your team play at a rival, like all that, we're just getting so spread out to 16-team conferences that I think we're losing parts of what made college football great. I mean, the SEC has it right because Oklahoma and Texas fit in the SEC footprint. USC and UCLA, you know, I've always known them as this Pac-10, Pac-12 team, and now they're in the Big Ten. You have USC on one coast and Rutgers, on the other, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, and I think it's hurting college football when you lose some of those rivalries, you lose some of those geographic ties that have been there for so long. The bottom line is the Big Ten and SEC have separated from college football, and everybody wants to be a part of that because of all the changes that's happened, the financial impact. So I get it, but I also don't like it. I wish we just had we maintained what made college football great. Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports. Man, as always, it's great to have you on. Appreciate it. Enjoy the summer and enjoy talking season, man. And I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hope we can talk again soon. Thanks again.